Welcome to the Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast, inside the business, buzz, and brilliance of Black entrepreneurs. Here is your host, Dr. Francis Richards. What happens in Vegas goes all over the world on Black Entrepreneur Experience, episode number 387. Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black Entrepreneur Experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Imagine life as a two-time presidential appointee, U.S. General Service Administration co-chair, entrepreneur, and author. Welcome, Cassius F. Butts. Hello, Dr. Richards. How are you? I'm perfect. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your business? Well, I, I would just say that for me, I, I feel like I'm, I'm one of those persons who have probably found an opportunity to step into my lane, to find my passion, to work in a capacity to uh, use my God-given talents to make communities, people, places, things that I touch a lot better. And as vague and abstract as that sound, it's meant to be that way. I am not one, just one thing. I feel like if I'm here, I'm helping to make a positive change in someone's life. In my capacity, I serve in several different roles. One, as a founder of an, uh, a business where we help uh, small, mid-sized businesses with access to capital, called Capital Forward to Business Advisors. Another, I serve in the capacity of Chief Strategy Officer and Partner, a managing partner with Global Leader Group, uh, dual based out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and Atlanta, Georgia. We also help to scale large-scale projects economic development projects, and also consulting opportunities as well, too, for large corporations. We also have a division where we do executive search. And so with our group, we like to think of ourselves as a group of Avengers who've come together to help to do something transformational. We can talk about this a little bit further, but I'm very proud to serve as chairman of Fort McPherson. It's 142 acres in Atlanta, Georgia, where we just sold the rest of that property, Dr. Richards, to Tyler Perry, and Bishop T.D. Jakes, which is going to be developed into a huge economic development project. One in fact, is going to be the second largest economic development project in uh, Southwest Atlanta since the expansion of Hartsville-Jackson Airport. And so I'll pause there and just say, for me, the best part about it was, again, was following my passion and writing my first book called Exceptional, being the exception to the rules, where we talk about my travels personally and professionally and talk about ways of working, not just inside, but outside the box to actually accomplish either your entrepreneurial business or just your dreams of just making a difference within your own walk. And so it's an opportunity written for everyone from millennials to seasonal professionals to really kind of take a stab at saying, hey, this is something I want to do. I'm going to go from here to here. How do I do that? And so it's about 14 chapters that talks about just that. And if someone is interested in getting a copy of the book, how would they obtain it? Sure. So it's going to be, the release is February 22nd. We will have a pre-sale starting up next week. And they can check on that at my website at cashesbutts.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-U-S-B-U-T-T-S.com. We'll be giving a lot of updates on the opportunities to, to have pre-sale opportunities to get the book. What is your zone of genius? Well, I think... Mine is just really just trying to figure out how to make that that positive impression. When you talk about a zone of genius, I think about something that we learned in psychology called self-actualization. And that's really where you get to the point of life of figuring out who you are, what your intentions are, what your purpose is, 
And so I think I'm probably a genius of myself. <laughs> and, and just try to find ways of adding value to somebody else's walk. The best part about it, I feel like I'm a sponge, you know, Dr. Richards, and learning um, more from people who I interact with. I probably spend more time than with folks who are in service positions, whether it's someone who is driving me somewhere in a in an Uber or a, a Lyft or someone who is the ad, ad administrator at the front of the office waiting for me to actually go in to meet probably the CEO. I think that they all have uh, the same level of opportunities to make a difference in your life. And so if they're my zone genius, as you said, which I, I'm not familiar with, but I will interpret it as it's me knowing how to listen and to how to observe, absorb information from any walk of life. You talk about making impact. What are you doing daily to make impact? Figuring out what to do better than I did the day before. I think often we take too much into consideration about having a huge impact, a huge explosion of uh, attention now, the opportunity to say, hey, I want to see instantaneously success. Well, success happens after you go through trials and tribulations, as you know. It really means absorbing that wisdom and taking that wisdom and learning how to apply it to something different so you can actually make better decisions when better opportunities present themselves. Access to capital. Talk about that. Access to capital from my experiences uh, serving as regional administrator for the U.S. Small Business Administration appointed by then President Barack Obama. We were able to help individuals and groups to get access to capital to help to scale up, to help to really continue to continue uh, family generational wealth opportunities. But the one thing about access to capital, Dr. Richards, is it's good to have the conversation about it initially. And it's another thing to really know what to do when you get that access to capital. And many of our uh, underserved businesses, we have the opportunity sometimes to get the capital, but we find ourselves within that five-year period taking another direction. And I think that having the proper education about how to manage through that access to capital is, is just as significant as having it. There are organizations and entities that can help give you guidance and direction, such as our small business development centers, which if you go to sba.gov and you click on sbdc.org, you can click on the one that's closest to your area, no matter where you are in the country. By there, you can meet with a counselor, have one-on-one conversations about how to access the capital, starting growing your business, learning how to scale up, learning how to continue to work in this pandemic that we've been in. And the best part about it, Dr. Richards, it costs nothing or better. I like to say you've already paid for it through your taxes. And so I think that folks, particularly underserved communities, should really look and take advantage of the opportunities to have these counseling opportunities to learn how to get the capital, but also how to retain it as well, too. You talked about self-actualization. Talk about becoming Cassius. How did you become I went through something I would imagine that a lot of people, you know, you figure about how to bounce back from unfortunate situations. When I was younger, I was actually in a uh, graduated high school. And uh, unfortunately, uh, during the day of my graduation, I was leaving my home with my parents. We're all there for my graduation in Florida. And I hit a child backing out of the car. And I thought the child had lost their life. And for me, it's one of the first time I really got the opportunity to witness that miracle where the child was actually okay. But I, I didn't realize that the child was was fine, had a hairline fra- a fracture on, on her arm. Uh, but for me, I was devastated mentally. I was really thinking about, gosh, my, this child's life is over with, my life is over with, and I'm just starting, just beginning. 
And it was at that point in time that I realized that there was a greater calling on both of our lives to continue to be in this plane, in this world, to make differences in somebody else's life. And again, uh, my background is a degree in psychology from Morehouse College, and I went on to get a graduate degree from Clark Atlanta University in public administration. But my focus uh, on the psychology perspective was realizing that that's who I I am. And that self-actualization is that term where, again, you begin to figure out who you are, what your purpose is. And sometimes some of us, we're not as, we can be very seasoned in years. We may not still get to the point of self-actualization. And there's one thing I talk about in the book, Exceptional, is realizing who you are. Uh, so for me, it was at that moment in time, Dr. Richards, that I realized who I was. I was learning to become as a young man that service, particularly public service, at least for me, was my lane of, of, of progress. It was my lane to say that this is where I'm supposed to be and look at trying to get down that lane and affect as many lives as I can from a positive perspective as possible. And so that's something I've been doing ever since. That is an amazing story. And I appreciate you sharing that and so grateful that everything worked out. Yeah, that's a blessing. I want to step back and you talked about, I believe it was 143 acres that you sold and T.D. Jakes and Tyler Perry, they are doing a project together. Yes. Talk about that. So as chairman of the Fort McPherson Local Redevelopment Authority, I was appointed to that role by Governor Kemp to help to sell the property to persons who were looking to redevelop it. It was occupied by the Army. The Army uh, gave the rights to to the state government to sell that property as they closed that military base. The 142 acres is something that has been around for obviously a long time. And we have been looking for buyers to acquire the property. Tyler Perry had already acquired a number of acres next door, which he has currently built his studio on, which is many people know of as TPS Studios. He owned the rights for the rest of the property and decided that he wanted to develop another portion of it. And Bishop T.D. Jakes learned about it and said that he would like to develop the rest of that. And so that probably will uh, involve in having commercial real estate, residential, single family housing, retail. There will be an entertainment district and there will be just a, a community of opportunities where people can live, work and play in one of the areas of Atlanta, Southwest Atlanta, that has not been developing in over 40 years. And so we're really excited about it. We're expecting to have boots and uh, shovels on the ground this year, and uh, plans are already underway. That is awesome. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Fill in the blank. Thank you, Pandemic Because. Because you gave me an opportunity to continue to work under duress situations. You've given me the opportunity to live as an example of how to survive when there's doubt in the air. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to really let me to be an observer to other people and learning from them how to make sound decisions when we have certain resources that are taken from us. And so that to me is something that I do not take lightly. I take that very serious. And so it's been a learned lesson and we're continuing to learn how to navigate through these tough times. And so it's been something else. I want you to have a monologue. I want you to name this person, living or not. And this person has inspired you so much. 
who is this person and what are you saying to this person? I can say that in, in four words, and that is I have a dream. And that's the acknowledgement of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King inspired me not just because of who he is, the impact that he's made on this world, but from a personal perspective. Growing up, my brother and I would spend summers with our, our grandparents in Philadelphia. And we didn't go outside a whole lot because you know, it was challenging at times. Sometimes it was too hot. And so I would spend a lot of times going through my grandparents' records, literally vinyl records, and listening to Dr. King's speeches. To me, I was really impressed to know that a person would, has such a great orator of themselves that was so impactful to many people and to be so young. And so I was always drawn to that. So as a kid, you know, Dr. Richards, that's something that I really just took note of. And it was not just what he was saying, it was how he was saying it, how he inspired many people to look at themselves to be economically enhanced and how you can actually take matters matters within your own self, own hands uh, from a business perspective and start and grow your own business, how to be inspired to have family members to lift them up, et cetera. And so for me, Dr. King is that person who I just t- latched on and always wanted to really walk in the steps of inspiring others. Obviously so much to the point of I wanted to go to the school that he went to. I was fortunate to graduate from Morehouse College as Dr. King. But in 1983, when Dr. King's national holiday was observed for the first time, being in elementary school, I was selected to give the first I Have a Dream speech. And I gave that speech and uh, it made the cover of the newspapers. And we still have a copy today that my family owns. Even to the most recent this point in time, living in Atlanta, Georgia, being a member of Ebenezer Baptist Church, Baptist Church where he is a member, uh, was a member and has found uh, a member presiding over that church, to go into college with Dr. Raphael Warnock, who was a friend, who is now Senator uh, Raphael Warnock, who came from that same place. And I can go on, Dr. Phillips, but I think that, Dr. Richards, if you really look at what the embodiment of what Dr. King gave to the society is something for all human beings to look up to. And so that's my long answer to that. I can go on and on and on more about Dr. King, but I think Dr. King is someone who's been an inspiration to me, not just for today, but also for tomorrow. There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Name a brand or a business that's dominating that you admire and why. Well, there's so many different brands and businesses that are dominating, and I think there's so many to name. I will give you one fact that you're probably familiar with. Over 99% of our economy runs off a small business. And so what that means, if you look at a Walmart, if you look at a Amazon, the name itself appears to give that domination, which true in fact it does. So we can name many, but I'm one of those persons that's going to always name you know, a small underserved business because it's that small underserved business that is in place to give that big name the attention that it is giving. Again, my family grew up on small business. My grandparents were, my grandfather was a contractor and owned his own construction company. My my father, God rest his soul, was an engineer by trade, but he also owned a produce company. He also owned a barbecue pit company. My mother owned a family-owned daycare business, two of them. 
in the state of Florida. And so I like to always say that the names of the big businesses are dominating, but what people don't realize is the small business that are lifting and holding them up so they can be the giants and conglomerates that they are. What was that aha moment, Cassius, that you knew you were going to be successful in business? I'm still looking for that aha moment, Dr. Richards. I take on everything that I do the same way that I heard. I heard Denzel Washington say it's the same thing I heard Jamie Foxx, the artist, say, which we've had an opportunity to meet and know each other. And Jamie Foxx was asked a question, what is your best film as of yet that you've done, you've completed? And he said, I hadn't done it yet. And he said, well, what do you mean? He started naming all these movies he did. He named Ray. He said, I'm going to give you the same response that my mentor gave me, Denzel Washington. And Denzel Washington said, I'm going to give you the same response that my mentor gave me, the person I look up to, which was Sidney Poitier. And so I'm going to give you the same response that they gave themselves, which is that the best work hasn't been done yet. The best work is knowing that there's more work to be done. There's more opportunity to do something more magnificent, incredible, insightful, inclusive. And so I haven't done it yet, but I am continuing to reach for that. And the day that I reach it, Dr. Richards, I probably will no longer be here. (laughs) So I'm still reaching for it. And I'm going to take that same tagline as those gentlemen did. I love it. What is the takeaway that you want our audience to leave with today? I think I like the takeaway to, to be is that you can work as hard as you think you can. You can work to achieve your goal. I believe that when you follow your passion, you'll be uh, certain never to become lost. And again, those are things, those are models that I, I, I truly live by. I'd like for your listeners to take away that success can come when you realize that you are making a positive impression in someone else's walk. That's truly success. Success comes when you can say the folks who you're mentoring are actually achieving and outperforming some of their peers. Success can come when you're actually following the things that you enjoy doing and you look back on it, you don't look at it as work. To me, that is truly success. And that we can continue to always strive for that with a sense of humility. I would love for your your listeners to know that uh, acknowledging others and being confident in who you are. Uh, one of the chapters in a book, I talk about uh, working uh, with an internship mindset. Always continue to know that you have that same motivation as you are just starting off, even though you have become more successful, will give you the ultimate success that you may be looking to achieve. So if your listeners can take away those items, those things, those intangible things that are really achievable, it really starts and stops with you as an individual. You can measure your own success by your own happiness. Advice you wish you had followed? Advice I probably wish I'd followed is maybe two things. Uh, and, and I think these are probably checkbox for me. I was fortunate to be mentored uh, by the late, great Maynard Jackson. And during that time, Maynard Jackson was the three-time uh, mayor of the city of Atlanta, the first uh, African-American mayor of the city of Atlanta. And uh, I was going to three places during that time when we had this conversation. I was in law school, grad school, and seminary school. And I decided to focus on graduate school because he said, there's a place for me and for what I can do within Atlanta. I probably would have 
probably like to finish law school, not for the opportunity to work in that profession, but more or less just co- just to continue to know the ins and out of policy and law. And so there are no regrets with that. I still I have a bunch of friends who are attorneys and I get to get their bend their ears from time to time without being charged. So I would definitely say that those are some things I probably would look, look back and probably said, ah, that would have been a good idea to finish. What problem exists in the world today, Cassius, that you would like to solve? Well, the only problem that exists today that I would like to solve is the one that I know I can solve. And that's me just leaving things better than what I found it. If I meet someone, if I'm interacting with someone, I would love for them to walk away to say, hey, that's a pretty decent guy. I feel good about my energy interaction and energy with this individual. And I want to take that same energy and apply it to someone else that I meet. The only way that I know I can solve that problem, Dr. Richards, is continuing to me to being the most positive person that I can, offering my time, my attention, and my humility to be an example of this is how you can make a difference within this world. If we could change one person, we could change one family, we could change one community, we could change one city, we could change one state, we could change one country. Ultimately, we could change the world. And if we think about it from that perspective, if we can take that process by changing an individual at a time, I think we can make this world a much better place. Talk about mental wellness and entrepreneurship. Sure. Success comes when, you know, there's a lot of failures, right? And so if we, you know, we cut our hand and we put some Neosporin on it, we put a Band-Aid on it, we expect it to heal over a period of time. Our mind is the same way. And I'm a huge advocate on counseling. I'm a huge advocate on mental therapy. And that's something that's really not discussed in African-American community or underserved communities. I wear like a badge of honor. I think during during my 50th birthday, just a couple of years ago, I, I acknowledged my therapist in front of a crowd of people and people like, oh, wow, you actually said you have a, a therapist? I'm like, yeah, I do. And I said, to deal with all you crazy people to set up with your expectations of me, I need it. <laughs> And everyone laughed, but it was true, uh, you know, to really to be in a place where you're trying not to take on the world. And sometimes many of us, we had to wait on the world to deliver, to be successful. And we have that pressure. That pressure is real. That pressure can turn into stress. Stress can turn into taking uh, pills. Pills can turn, turn into something else. So it all starts with us really taking care of the mental aspect and everything that we do. And I do believe that that's something I'm a huge advocate about. And I'm I'm very proud to speak about the necessity of people looking into getting mental help and therapy. Cassius, what does self-care look like to you? Self-care looks like when I can wake up and I'm happy and I can look around, my family is happy, my dog is happy, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling positive. That's what it looks like to me. I'm never, I'm always looking for a way to improve my mental self, my personal self. I'm always looking for a way to make a positive impact in someone else's life. And I feel like that's my lane and I'm happy to stay in my lane. I don't want to be in somebody else's lane. I don't do what they do. I I don't try to do what they do. I'm not trying to mimic to do what they do. I can only stay in my lane. And so me staying in that lane, Dr. Richards allows me to, to smile, to feel good about myself, to have that, that confidence to go out to to make a positive impact and having conversations just like this. What breaks your heart? Probably the one thing that breaks my heart is underachieving. What breaks my heart is, is seeing talent being wasted. What breaks my heart is seeing 
people looking to follow someone else's walk, falling flat on their face and being upset with the world about it when it was never your walk to begin with. I really like to continue to have those conversations with people being happy within yourself first, staying within your lane and not trying to to duplicate or to some of the less seasoned folks these days will say to see how many likes I might get or how many social media something these days to see how many opportunities people may acknowledge what I'm doing. As long as you acknowledge what you're doing first, I think then you can go wherever you want to go. What feeds your soul? Well, there's a lot of things that feeds my soul, but I would say the best thing that feeds my soul is the satisfaction of personal growth, the satisfaction of seeing other people achieve whatever it is they're setting out to do to see family, neighbors, and people that I'm close to uh, feel as though they have achieved certain levels of life, whether it's personally, personal or professionally. And I think that's the part that I, I thrive off on. That's the part that I'm, I would say that I'm addicted to is always looking for a way to observe and to absorb wisdom. You know, for me, I'm, I'm an avid reader. I'm, I'm an avid person that loves to talk about news, good or bad or indifferent, and not just domestic, but also internationally. And so seeing what's taking place in the world on a positive perspective is something that really feeds my soul and makes me feel good inside when I see those favorable things happening. Looking back, what are you most proud of? I would say <laughs> my grandmother, God rest her soul, was a graduate of Tuskegee University. She was one of the first female evangelists in the Catholic Church. My grandfather was the first Black department head for the city of Orlando, ran for mayor in 1980 in Orlando, Florida, graduate of Wiley College. My other grandmother was a graduate of Benedict College. She's a founding member of the Orlando chapter of the Lynx in Orlando, Florida. She was an educator. My brother is a graduate of Florida A&M. He is one of the first uh, within his profession to offer equity training and development, which he owns his own company. He also is, owns an aquatics company called Life Guardian, where they actually teach other individuals how to deep sea scuba dive. And they also do a lot of things related to finding artifacts, particularly for those who came from the continent of Africa on ships that are now off the coast of the United States. One of the first to do that. I say all those to say that my father was one of the first Black department heads of then Martin Marietta, which is now Lockheed Martin. Uh, he went to Hampton University. I say all those to say that you know they were all graduates or have attended historical Black colleges and universities. And when we see that over 75% of our senior executives in this country have been graduates of HBCUs, that makes me think about the impact, the positive impact that our HBCUs can have on the world. So I'm very proud to be a graduate of Morehouse College. To me, it's something that has been a testament to not just me, but my family to continue on the legacy of serving in a capacity of public service and showing them where you came from and that our opportunities are just as important, significant, and impactful as other colleges and universities. And so I'm very proud to talk about that. What drives you every day to do what you do? Well, I've always had a driven mindset. I've seen a lot of success and failures within my associations. 
But I've also realized that the success is not necessarily something that's monetary or something that is physical in terms of items. It really comes to to being happy. I truly believe that the more that we put out, the more that we're going to receive. And so what drives me, Dr. Richards, is really being a beacon of light to somebody else. (laughs) What drives me is being a resource to someone else. What drives me is being a motivator to somebody else when they're looking to solve an issue or a problem. And just being that that piece or beacon of resource to me is what drives me. That's what wakes me up every day, is that knowing that I can be of value to someone else and that it really, in my opinion, is all ordained. But I just have to do my part and show up and sometimes show out. What is that? I don't like to say specifically goals, but what would you like to accomplish this year? Well, this year, I think there's some pretty uh, specific goals this year. This year, I would like for within the next uh, 60 days or so, within that, the, the book is going to launch. I look I look forward to being a part of the speaking circuit to go to colleges and universities and civic organizations to talk about the book and to talk about uh, ways of that can bri- provide some probably some favorable enhancements to, to someone else's walk and people that may be looking for guidance and direction. So my goal this year is to have a, a successful book tour, which we're starting off next month, sponsored by State Street Bank and Global Leader Group. Thank both of them for the sponsorship for the book, but specifically to really continue to go on the tour and making those uh, positive impressions. Um, I also serve as the co-chair for the General Services Acquisition Policy Committee. And we have some specific goals to give to our congressional leaders to make recommendations on ways of enhancing sustainability and ways to acquire federal properties the proper way in in today's uh, challenging climate. And so the goals this year on that end is to make sure that that is manifesting itself as best as it can and to continue to have the, the shovels on the ground at Fort McPherson, which we're looking forward to. We are have just received uh, accreditation at Morris Brown College, which I serve as a trustee, a, board, a member of Board of Trustees at Morris Brown College, which we're happy after 20-something years has the accreditation back. We have students back in the campus, and we're looking to continue with the presence of a hotel, which will be placed on the campus, a Hilton property, which came as a result of another colleague of mine, Euclid Walker, who help to facilitate a $30 million hotel deal for Morris Brown College. And so really excited about all of those entities, Dr. Richards. And as you can see on summation, all of those has to do with an impact that's making on people or communities. And that's what I'm looking forward in 2023. Thank you for that. When you talk about sustainability and properties for the federal government, is that only in Atlanta nationwide? Can you speak more on that? Oh, no, sure. So I'm, I'm the national co-chair for the committee, which is for the, the entire country. And that is really, we have subject matter experts who are part of this board. We have over, I believe if I'm not mistaken, over 20 members of this committee. Troy Cribb is as the, uh, the chair. I serve as the co-chair. But we are leading this effort to make sure certain that there is a smoother process in place as it pertains to sustainability and climate change when people are looking to acquire federal properties uh, to make sure that that there are other people who have a seat at the table 
to participate in that process, be it small businesses, smaller communities, uh, other advocates to be a part of that. And so this is something that we're really excited about. It's the first time this committee has been in place, has been formed. We were formed back in 2021 in September. And uh, looking forward to continue having these conversations, which are open to the public as well. Each month we have monthly meetings to talk about our progress and the differences that we're we're looking to make as it pertains to acquisition of federal properties and sustainability. Speak to the person in your lineage that has given you the most profound advice. (laughs) Wow. Mm. Probably say there's so many. I would have to go back and and kind of direct that to my mother. I come from a very proud family, as I mentioned before, who has decided that, you know, they would they would continue to follow their passion. My mother would often tell me, you know, that you no, know, I am somebody, you know, I matter. And that giving the opportunity to support someone else's dreams can be satisfying to me. I learned that at, at, at an early age. But my mother would often tell me to rely on my faith and to rely on that guidance to help me when you're in those dark places and dark moments. And that's been some of the best advice I've ever received is, is just that. Um, I still use that today. Every day is not the, the brightest. Every day is not the easiest. No, but sometimes it's I look inward and rely on my faith to to pull me through certain moments and times. And so I'm grateful for the, for that advice. Cassius, what is the best decision you've made as a leader? Best decision I made as a leader is something that I often do whenever I have the opportunity to lead. And that is to acknowledge others who have the same passion, same direction, and the same mindset of being successful and being a part of that. I would often say that sometimes if I'm involved in interviews or speaking engagements, I always bring someone else with me. I'm always acknowledging someone else. Typically when I give remarks, and I learned this a lot during my time, during the Obama administration, whenever I give remarks, half of my remarks are saying thank you to the people who have helped to stand up the organization, acknowledging them, asking people to clap for them, to acknowledge their work, to be very specific and to be, to be very direct about it. And then the other half is talking about the things we're supposed to talk about. But as a leader, for me, it's really to acknowledge those who may not have the platform that I have, who may not have the microphone or the attention or the cameras are on them. I like to turn it on those individuals and give them those same opportunities because I truly believe too much is given, much is, is, is expected. And for me, I believe in expecting to give the opportunity to spotlight to somebody else that deserves it. If you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Sure. I would say, Cassius, what would you have done different when you were 18 years old that you did not do? And then I would answer the question (laughs) and say the thing I would do different is nothing. (laughs) There's nothing that I would have done different. When I was 18, again, I was fortunate to realize that me making decisions was not about me making something that's going to make a huge impact in my life. But it was more important for me to rely on my faith, to rely on what was being told to me inside my bosom, inside my heart, and to follow that. And so I would not change anything that I did. 
that a decision I made when I was 18 years old and going through a challenging time in my life coming from that unfortunate situation, because that has placed me exactly where I am today. And that is exactly where I'm supposed to be. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'd like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Okay. Your first job. Wendy's. What comfort food do you eat all the time? Pizza. Your favorite color? Gray. Your ideal car? Volvo. You relax doing what? Listen to music. The last movie you saw? The last movie that I saw was Black Adam. Your favorite singer or rapper? Favorite singer of all time is a combination of Tupac Shakur and Usher. Your favorite dance song? Favorite dance song, Before I Let Go, Frankie Beverly and Maze. Workout or hit the couch? Workout. Cassius, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, I want you to share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Certainly. Thank you very much for having me today, Dr. Richard. I really appreciate the opportunity to really uh, give hopefully some guidance and advice that maybe your listeners can hang on to and hopefully I can hear from them and learn the same. You can always reach me on my website at cashesbutts.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-U-S-B-U-T-T-S.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at cashesfbutts. On Facebook, it's cashesbutts as well, too. Twitter is cashesbutts as well. And we're always giving updates about uh, what's taking place. Look forward to coming out soon with the book, Exceptional, Being the Exception to the Rules, which is starting pre-sales next week. And the book launch will be February the 22nd. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Black Entrepreneur Experience. We would love for you to leave a review and rating on iTunes and share with your friends. For show notes and more episodes, go to www.beepodcast.com. Join us next Wednesday. And remember, green is the new black. So keep your bank accounts and your business in the black.